I'll be reading from the uh, New International Version from the Book of Psalms, Psalms 90, verses 12 uh, through 17. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This be the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you to Lois and Connor for helping me this morning, getting us in that place and prepared to be where we are. It's good to be with you this morning. I bring you greetings from First UMC in Tupelo. Um, and uh, some of you have, have mentioned that you, you see us on TV, and uh, that's really interesting um, because nobody says that to me while I'm in Tupelo, but I go someplace else. Oh, yeah, we watch you on TV. That's okay. Great. I just didn't think anybody was watching, but it's good to know that someone is. So it's good to be with you. Um, Chad and I have been friends for a number of years. Um, when I came to Tupelo was when I first got to know him. And so uh, it was del a delight of mine to say yes to him when he said, hey, would you come and, and fill in for me when the glorious day comes? So absolutely, we can do that. Um, and so it's good to be with you this morning. I'm going to ask that you would, if you would please pray with me at this time. And now, God, I ask that either through me or in spite of me, that you would speak to these, your people, Amen. Chad sent me a message and uh, he said, hey, I need to know what your scripture and your sermon title is. And so I went digging around in the lectionary and found this psalm and started reading it. And when I read it, this word prosper jumped out at me. And so I sent back to him, okay, here's the text. And the title is simply prosper. And what he responded to me with was a gif or a gif, depending on which era you were born in, I think. One of these little pictures text, and it was a picture, it was a mashup. I couldn't tell if it was Kenneth Copeland or if it was Joel Osteen's face um, put upon, I'm not sure, I think it was Snoop Dogg, I don't know, it was some rapper's body that had dollar bills in his hands and he was just doing dollar bills like this. And he said, okay, is that what it's going to be about? It's like, oh yes, absolutely, Chad. It's going to be all about that. Um, and and it's, it's one of those topics that we have. It, it, I don't know if we really talk about it that much, but we, we in, in a specific sense, but in general, we do have this idea about prosperity you you've heard um, the term the prosperity gospel and you might have heard that in a positive or in a negative sense it just kind of depends on where you are 
um, depends on what your experiences are. You might think of that in a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not here to do that. Um, but there is a very, very real sense in where from the very beginning, God has wanted us to prosper. Now, when we think about that, we do tend to think about money. We tend to think about possessions. And, and there's a, a part of which where I go, no, yes, no. I mean, if we go back to the very beginning, we go back to Adam and Eve in the garden. We look at what God says to the man and the woman, and He says to them, be fruitful and multiply. Interestingly enough, as I was coming down this morning, I was listening to some podcasts to N.T. Wright, and there was the question this, this couple had as to whether or not the man should get a vasectomy because they had multiplied enough. And I'm not going to talk about that either, but that, that's one of the other things that we think about is we think about, well, is it multiplication when it comes to our children? I, you see on there that, that we have four children. Um, the oldest is Isaac. He's 15. My youngest is Levi. He's seven. We have two girls in between, Katie and Caroline. Um, I would love for them to have been with us this morning. Isaac is on a Boy Scout troop or camp. My wife, Kim, is teaching Sunday school. My daughter, Katie, is helping run the sound and the graphics. Um, we needed her this morning back there. Um, and, and so they're, they're otherwise engaged or they would be here. And I, I would have brought Levi with me, the seven-year-old. Yeah, you say that. Um, but it might have been more interesting if he had have come. I'll just leave it like that. He's, he's a great kid, but it would have not been quiet um, at all. And that's okay. But we think about multiplying, prospering in that regard. And of course, we think about it in terms of assets. I mean, it, it's something you can't escape, particularly if you watch golf. You can't escape something that has to do with asset management. We're, we're you know, we're United Statesians. We think about what we have and we, we rightly think about what we do with our money and our possessions and, and where that goes. How is it used? We, we think about all of that stuff. And that's exactly what we should be thinking about. We should think about how we use what we have been given. But we also have this wrong concept that if I have a lot, then that means that, well, that that's for me. Because you remember that at the beginning of Abram's call, God had this to say to him. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will, the one who curses you, I'll curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's an, another word that we could talk about for a period of time. The, the term blessed. I mean, it, it's now become very common instead of saying to someone, you know, after you've just paid for your meal or whatever, somebody, you know, used to say, well, have a nice day. 
if they said anything to you at all. They just might say, here's your change. But now you might get this. I've even gotten this at McDonald's a few times. Have a blessed day. I expect that from Chick-fil-A, but even at McDonald's, they're picking it up. I heard my pleasure the other day from someone. All that says to me is I've spent way too much time at McDonald's. <laughs> but have a blessed day. It's yes, be blessed. There's something about that. Yes, we're yes, God says, I am going to bless you. And in Abram, if we look at his story, it well, part of that blessing was the dude was rich. I mean, he had all kinds of money. He had all kinds of possessions. Um, and, and so if we look at other biblical characters, they're, they're one of the aspects that's pretty common to many of them is that, well, they're pretty wealthy folks. Now, you know, some of them, their wealth didn't necessarily help them out that much. Some of them, their wealth came in, well, in, I don't know, Solomon with however many wives and whatever those concubines are. I don't know. The dude's just crazy is all I have to say about that. But there is this blessing. There is this prosperity that God brings or at least that happens in the lives of these people. And in fact, the founder of the Methodist movement, John Wesley, recognized this. He was concerned about this, in fact. If you will remember that a lot of the people who came into the Methodist movement, they were from folks that were, I mean, they were miners, they were industrial workers, they were very poor, they were kind of, they were the lower end. Now, yes, you had some middle and upper class folks, but I mean, in general, a lot of these folks really didn't have much. And one of the things that Wesley was concerned about was that they would actually get rich. It seems like an odd thing that we would be concerned that someone would become wealthy after they had been poor. Um, what happens is, and here's where technology is doing me a number as something comes up there that I was not anything to. Um, what happens is that he was concerned that because they became good, honest people of integrity, that then they would gain more. And in that gaining, they might become, well, cold towards God. Uh, Kevin Kinghorn, whose father was actually one of my professors at Asbury, wrote this. Webbs Wesley observes that as former faithful disciples gained possessions over the years, their concern turned to laying up treasures on earth instead of restoring the poor to God. The possession of riches had brought forth pride, self-indulgence of every kind. It brought forth prejudice, judging and condemning one another. It brought forth anger, hatred, malice, revenge, and every evil word and work. So it's kind of an interesting uh, dilemma that we have here on one hand there is that you're going to be blessed and you're going to be a blessing to others it's you're going to prosper and the prayer of the psalmist here is lord prosper us and then there's the other side of it jesus uh, faces this head on um, when there is a uh, a man who ran up to him it says in mark 10 
that as he was setting out, that Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And the man replied, Teacher, hey, I've kept all these since my youth. And it says that Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And we know what happens next, right? When the young man heard it, he went away grieving for he had many possessions. So which is it? Are we supposed to be prosperous and blessed and have all this wealth and all this stuff? Are we supposed to go and sell all that we have and give the money to the poor and go and follow him? And I want to say to you, yes. And no. This is not something that's so simple for us. And part of the problem is, is we still have a limited framework. A limited framework where when it comes to thinking about prosperity. It's the framework that, and Chad was totally joking. I mean, I hope. He was joking when he sent this thing to me. I mean, he, he was just kidding about that. Then again, when we hear the term to prosper, oftentimes that's all that we have in our mind. That's the only place that we have. And sometimes Jesus doesn't help us out very much. It doesn't seem as though he's really telling us something different. But indeed, there is something more to it. If you'll go back with me again to Adam and Eve in the garden. What was the greatest treasure that they had? Now, some might say that the greatest treasure they had was each other. And indeed, God looks around the garden, sees Adam alone by himself. All the animals have their their kind to be with. And he goes, hey, you need somebody too. And that's a a wonderful thing. And we thank God for that. But there's something else that we miss sometimes that Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden that they, well, they themselves took for granted. You'll remember that after they had fallen, if you will, they had taken the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and and their eyes had opened, they realized they've sinned, they've gone, they've, and what did they do? It, it says that God was walking in the garden in the cool of the evening, and he starts calling for Adam. You see, the greatest thing that they had, the thing that they missed when they started grasping for themselves, was God's very 
presence. God came right there among them and walked with them there in the garden. When Jesus is there with His disciples, what's the greatest gift that they have? It's Jesus Himself. It's the very fact that Jesus is with them. If there is anything that they could have done after His ascension, in many ways to bring Him back, I mean, they, they would have. Because they, they longed for that presence. They did not realize what they had until it was gone. The very presence of Jesus. But it, it's more than... I don't want to say just that. It's, it's not like the whole of our Christian life is to go and find a nice quiet place where we can be alone and to pray and to talk with God, though those are very important times. But there's so much more to it. We have been given a gift and a talent and a blessing and, and whatever that happens to be, but it's not for ourselves. It's something that's to be used for others. One of my favorite passages in the Bible in Acts is from Acts 3. And remember this, this is where Peter and John, this is after the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Um, Peter is a new man. He's gone from swearing that he doesn't even know Jesus to standing in front of the people who had him executed and testifying to who Jesus is. But one day, Peter and John, they're going to the temple at the hour of prayer. About three o'clock in the afternoon, and you remember there was a blind beggar there, or excuse me, a man lame from birth. He was being carried in, and it says that people would lay him at the gate so that he could ask for alms. And when Peter saw, when, when he saw Peter and John about to go in, he asked them for alms. I don't know about y'all, but there's this really weird thing that happens in Tupelo. It seems that Tupelo is just the place to be for homeless folks. I don't understand it. I mean, really and truly, there's not a whole lot in Tupelo um, that would appeal to me in that regard, if that was me. Um, I might... I mean, I would recognize there's, there's wealth there. There's that kind of stuff. There is a lot of generosity there. But there's a big collection of, of homeless folks. And so there are folks asking for money. Now, I don't really want to go off into all of that. I'll just tell you, I typically don't. I'll ask somebody if they're hungry. I'll give them something to eat. And, you know, I pretty much figure out pretty quick that, you know, it's like the guy I saw the other day up in uh, Springfield, Missouri. He said, why lie? His cardboard sign said, why lie? I do like a cold one. Um, but but this, this is something different. This man is truly lame. He is truly in need. He's there. He's asking for alms. And Peter looks at him, as did John, and says, look at us. And the man fixed his attention on them 
expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. And he took the man by the hand and he stood up and walked. Some of you might have that gift. I mean, I happen to believe that healings can still take place. Miraculous things can still take place. There's been some healing taking place in my life that was nothing short of miraculous. I've I've known of folks who've been healed. But what I know more of is a whole ton of people. In fact, I'm looking and look, I don't know y'all. Connor and I have texted back and forth basically through Chad a handful of times. That's about it. One of my former church members lives just down the street over here. And about 30 years ago, I was in your parsonage when my uncle was the pastor here. But I don't know y'all. But I do know one thing that in this room, there are a myriad of talents. There are a myriad of, of abilities. There are ways in which God has gifted you that then you in turn can be a blessing to others. What was it that God said to Abram? I'm going to bless you not for yourself, not for your own sake, not for your own benefit even, but so that you might be a blessing to others. Now, you will be benefited from the blessing. You will receive from that. There will be gifts related to that. But the point is not that. The point is that your blessing is to bless others. Your gifts, your talents, your abilities are there to bless others. That's all through the Scriptures. It's in our mission. It's who we are as United Methodists. Remember what it says. The mission of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That's your mission and mine. All of us. Make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And that transformation, well, it comes first of all through relationship with Christ Himself. The giving of the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that transformed Peter's life into this one who would wander away and swear I don't know the man till to being a bold proclaimer of the truth of who Jesus is, to being the one who would stand there and say, I have no silver or gold, but what I have you, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. God's aim is that we prosper but that prosperity is not about having possessions and money, though those may come. The prosperity is about living in full and whole relationship with God and with others and to invite others into this journey of faith. Our mission is to live into that purpose. The will of God is that we would prosper in life, in relationship with others, that we might be His church.
In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me if you will. O oh God, help us. How desperately we need You. For Lord, we have gotten it wrong so many times. We've made it all about us and gaining for ourselves. When the gain that You have given us is so many times to be used for others. Lord, we all miss this from time to time. Holy Spirit, challenge us. Lord, help us to recognize the gifts that we've been given so that we can avail those gifts to Your use. So that we would be faithful servants of Yours. So that we would truly be Your church. Amen.